0: Hey friends, uh, it's it's episode three hundred. So I hope you don't mind if we just start off just a little bit differently. Let's go. Hey, 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 hey! You're listening to the the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. Uh, this is the first episode, episode one hundred. It's episode two hundred. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza, 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 pizza. pizza.
1: Hey Andy! Congratulations on episode 300 of the Creative Pep Talk podcast.
2: What's up pepperonis? I really would not be where I am today without this podcast. So,
3: I have listened to the Creative Pep Talk podcast for years now.
4: And I've been a consistent listener of Creative Pep Talk for about four to five years.
1: I am thrilled that you make this podcast because it has changed my life so much.
4: I can honestly say that the lessons and stories from this podcast changed my life.
5: I really leaned on the lessons from creative pep talk.
2: So I went from just doing house portraits for people that I knew to doing work for international record labels. I really didn't expect that, honestly.
3: If you're feeling discouraged and you're feeling like your work isn't getting the attention it deserves, listen to that feeling.
0: Hey, you're listening to the 300th episode of the creative pep talk podcast. And uh, I am so glad I started this podcast a little over six years ago, or I wouldn't have had the chance to connect with so many amazing creative people, some of which you just heard. I started this podcast Because I'd seen some breakthroughs in my illustration practice, and I'd learned some things that I wanted to share with other people so that they could say yes to the creative journey to reach their potential. And uh, in this episode, I'm going to share with you six stories from listeners of people doing just that. And I also want to extract some core lessons from each of those stories that are kind of the pillars of creative pep talk and they're things that if you're not doing these things you got to change up your game because they are game changers as you will hear in the stories of this episode i'm very excited i can't believe we're at 300 and i think this episode is going to be extremely special um thanks for for joining us let's do it real quick just a few Shoutouts to our sponsors. Creators, are you tired of getting paid in clicks and likes? Patreon lets you build real, sustainable income through the direct support of your fans. The creative system is broken. If you are a creator, sign up on Patreon.com now. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and start building the steady income stream that you deserve. Thanks, Patreon. Explore new skills. Deep in existing passions and get lost in creativity with classes from Skillshare. Learn about illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, marketing, writing, all kinds of cool stuff. Skillshare short classes, they make it so that you don't have to put your creative journey on hold. You can take them right along as you go. Uh, The best classes of Skillshare 2020 were just announced, and one of them is by a longtime creative pepperoni, Rosalie Hazlett, she did a class watercolor in the woods a beginner's guide to painting the natural world and it's gorgeous and it's cozy and i'm really just super impressed with how far she's taken her creative practice um, since i met her a few years ago it's such a joy to watch creative people's practice blossom like that congrats rosalie go check it out skillshare.com creative pep for 14 free days a 14, 14 day free trial skillshare.com slash creative pep this episode is brought to you by storyblocks video storyblocks gives you studio quality 4k stock video without blowing your budget if you need b-roll after effects templates or video motion backgrounds you gotta check out storyblocks video head to storyblocks.com slash creative pep talk to learn more about storyblocks video today All right, let's get into the juicy stuff now. We have six stories from Creative Pepperonis, people that have taken the practices from the episodes, put them to work, and found some breakthroughs. And I can't wait for you to hear these stories. They're so encouraging. They're so interesting. Uh, and, and, And most of all, they highlight some of the best strategies that we have explored on this show. So I wanted to do this episode partially as a celebration for episode 300, but I also felt like we could use a condensed episode of some of the best practices and it could act as kind of a reference guide or a dictionary for the creative pep talk lexicon of language. I was, uh, I was, you, you all know I'm like obsessed with the idea of taste and that theory. And recently I discovered that in the 19th century, there were all these philosophers that had a lot to say about taste. One of those philosophers was Immanuel Kant. Some people call him uh, Kant. I don't really know. I'm not. I, you know, I don't know. But I started to read his theory of taste, and I dove into that writing, and I quickly found that I can't read Kant. <laughs> <laughs> so bad, uh, that I can't read it. So I I Googled, how do you read Emmanuel Kant? And then everyone said, you can't. Uh, because his stuff is so dense and he, he references so many words that he uses in a particular way that he actually published his own dictionary that you kind of have to read before you read any of the stuff that he put out there. And it kind of inspired me because I thought we we talk a lot about the same kind of ideas, um, some core ideas that really uh, I built my career on and I've I've seen in other creatives and I've helped uh, listeners use. And so I thought, let's take some people who have used these things. Let's tell their story so you can see how they work in real time. And let's just highlight them. I want to go back and and kind of say, Hey, do you remember this practice? Are you doing this practice? Are you keeping all of these pieces running in your practice? Because if you're not, maybe that's part of the reason why you're hitting roadblocks. So that's what this says. Without further ado, let's go to the first testimonial from uh, Taylor Lee.
1: Hey, Andy. Congratulations on episode 300 of the Creative Pep Talk podcast. I am thrilled that you make this podcast because it has changed my life so much. Let me give you an anecdote of how, specifically, I have used Creative Pep Talk to achieve a creative goal of mine. I have always wanted to work with Vans. I've worn Vans ever since middle school. I adore Vans, but I never knew if I could get in touch with such a large company, if I was talented enough, if I was even cool enough to work with Vans. I just didn't know. So I was super excited when you came out with the Creative SideQuest series. And um, so I followed step by step your advice. And I decided that when it came to writing a goal on a, um, a small fortune cookie-sized piece of paper, my goal was work with bands. So I started thinking about my um, industry market niche, which was going to be a little bit different for this project. And so I, I rethought that because I used to be a fine artist, and I think that I would just never really screamed, Hey, work with me, Vance. And then I started making a personal project that reflected my goal. I created a 30 second stop motion video in which I used the checkered board Vans as a prop and I made flowers grow out of them. I even added music with GarageBand. It was a really cool little 30 second video that kind of mirrored my goal of creating branded social media content for Vance. So then I started thinking about how to strategically market this project. So I posted it to Instagram and I hashtagged, you know, Vans and tagged Vans and that just felt like a drop in the bucket. So I was really excited about your idea of authentic connection with people and kind of looking for weak points of entry. So I did was I started sharing my, um, my video with people who I knew also loved Vans just as much as I did. You know, another thing from your podcast is if something's remarkable, then people will remark upon it, people will share it. Those people started sharing my video to their stories, and one of those people actually has a connection with a company that stocks Vans. So... I let this thing sit in my portfolio for maybe like six months. I was like, well, better (laughs) better luck next time, I guess, that this one didn't work out. In October, I got an email from Vans. They wanted to collaborate, and I I almost stopped breathing. I think I choked on the air that I was breathing when I read that email. So anyway, um, the idea was that the PR person who works with them had actually been following me on Instagram for quite some time and had just been looking for an opportunity to work together. So, Andy, thank you so much. Sincerely, thank you for giving me a roadmap through which I could achieve this goal of mine. I can't wait to show you the finished product. You can find me on Instagram at Taylor Lee Nicholson. See you soon.
0: Taylor, super huge congrats on the project with Vans. Uh, it, it's such a inspiring thing to me when I see someone reach a dream goal like that. And the reason why I really wanted to share Taylor's story on this episode was because I think it's a real testament to strategic creativity. You know, for a little while, you might've even heard me talk about this on the show. I was kind of wondering, is it mutually exclusive to be strategic or creative? Like, are they the opposite? Because I think a lot of us think of creativity as starting without knowing where you're going to end up. I think that's kind of the traditional way that we think about creativity. Like you just let the, you know, it's kind of Ouija board painting uh, where you're just letting the paintbrush go wherever it wants to go. And actually, I think there's a lot of value in that. I think that kind of play is a a huge part of creativity. But I think that strategy is just another side of creativity. And this whole show has been an effort to try to get creative people to embrace the strategic creativity. Because whereas traditional creativity or the way that we think of it conventionally, we think of it as starting without knowing where you're going to go. Strategy is the real definition of it is starting with an end in mind, seeing where you want to go and then working backwards. And I realized that this was just another form, an essential form of creativity. When I started reading this uh, like Mystery Writing for Dummies book <laughs> it wasn't that but it was kind of it's like mystery writing one on one and the first thing they talk about is if you want to write a mystery the kind of key for that is to start with who done it at the end of the book like where it's revealed and then reverse engineer work backwards from there and litter the story with clues and my mind kind of exploded because i was like this is strategy This is strategy and creativity at the same time. And I was kind of shocked because I think we so often think of creativity as this improvisational act when it can be more like putting together a puzzle. My favorite example of this dance of the strategic and the conventionally creative is how I've heard... Larry David goes about making a episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. With Curb Your Enthusiasm, I love Larry David's writing because I think he has, I think he stumbled upon, uh, based on his own words, how to write a story well, which is just a circle where everything ties up, every episode, in a surprising but inevitable way. Uh, You know, this thing is what Larry wants, this thing gets in the way, and then somehow they combine in an unexpected but satisfying way every single episode. And it's something he learned to do back in writing Seinfeld. And what I love about Curb, though, is that's a very strategic way of writing with that kind of formula. But they match that with the improvisational, exploratory creativity by – having no script. So every single scene, they know what needs to happen in the scene, but they don't know exactly how they're going to get there. And I love this marriage of the exploratory creativity and the strategic side of creativity. Now, Taylor talks about in that clip, the mirroring of your goal with the project. You know, in this clip, she talks about how she was a fine artist, but she'd always wanted to work with Vans. And she realized that there's nothing about what she was doing that clearly expressed that she would be a great pick for Vans to hire her. And so she used the idea of mirroring in your personal projects, and your strategic personal projects that we talk about on the show, where you more or less define what your dream Client is and what your dream job would be for them, and write that brief, and then just answer it in personal work. Just make that creative work. I'm not talking about making a mock creative project where you mock up their logo and all that. I'm talking about creatively answering what they're looking for and doing so uh, often with a critique, doing something, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but. But I, I love this example, and it reminds me of one of the foundational stories, analogies of this show. And uh, longtime listeners, you know it. Uh, first-time listeners, you might not have heard it. Um, well, first-time listeners, I haven't said it in this episode yet, so you've definitely not heard it. But even if you just listened for a year, you probably haven't heard this. It's the tower story, and I think it illustrates the power of strategic creativity. Here's the idea back when I was living in England, I that's when I started running on a regular basis. and one expedition, I decided to run to this far off tower out in the fields of Yorkshire. There's this huge tower. Later on, I found out it's the tallest freestanding structure in the UK. Uh, and I had no idea how far it was away. I just saw it one day and it was like, you know, Whitney Houston, I want to run to you. Uh, And I, it was like, kind of looks kind of like the tower from Lord of the Rings, like Sauron's eye. There's no burning eye at the top, but it kind of resembles that. So I just started running that way. And the thing is, it wasn't the worst plan on how to get there because the tower was so tall that all I had to do was pivot to the next road that looked like it was pointing closer to that tower. And it took me a long time, but eventually I made it to the tower. And that's the power of the tower. That's the power of strategy. That's the power of having an end in mind and then working backwards and saying, well, if, if I want to end up there in my creative career, this is the next path that I need to take. This is the path that looks like it's going that way. And when that one starts to veer off, pivot to a different path until you reach your goal. Now, unfortunately, that's not the end of the story because – I this has all worked because I was running to the tallest freestanding structure in the UK, but what I hadn't realized was that my house was not the tallest freestanding structure in the UK. And I looked back over the 11, 12 plus miles that i just run, and I had no clue on the horizon where my house was, and I ended up getting extremely lost and quit running from all the blisters and and uh, and injuries that I got from getting lost and wandering in the dark. And, and it, it was a freaking disaster. And that's what I think happens to a lot of creative people when they don't implement some strategic creativity. They kind of get lost, right? Like lost the show. They only used exploratory creativity. I've heard stories from the writers that said, when they started that show, they were encouraged to go as crazy as possible without any idea where it might end up. And that can get you to some interesting places for a while. But ultimately, I mean, you be the judge. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think uh, that's where we end up. A lot of people get lost. Um, that's great. Great story, Taylor. Thanks for sharing it.
4: what's up pepperonis this is marco the artist of masterminds connect and i've been a consistent listener of creative pep talk for about four to five years i can honestly say that the lessons and stories from this podcast changed my life the bulk of my time is spent drawing illustrations mostly character design for social media and interacting with my followers i had just come off a big project and i was honestly burned out It wasn't as successful as I wanted it to be and I was a little bit down because I had spent so much time preparing for what I thought was going to be a blowout. This was right when the pandemic first struck so the world was in shambles. I took a few weeks off just to consume content and wallow in sorrow until a show I was watching prompted me to draw Scar from The Lion King in a very snazzy suit. I've always been a Disney nerd and I always enjoyed fashion. So why not combine the two? Because of the response from my followers, I decided to make it a series and continue drawing fashion-forward Lion King characters every day for about 10 days, and I packaged it as Pride Lands. Every day at the same time, I posted another drawing, and each day the project grew bigger and bigger. I would look through the comments, reply to people, and take their suggestions for the next character. I was writing on stage. By using their suggestions, I turned a lot of followers into friends. I used the clothing to further tell the story of the character in a modern setting. I would style them with my favorite sneakers, suits, the way I like to wear my pants, favorite color palettes, etc. I made each piece personal by injecting my humor and my taste, something that Andy always talks about. Yes, everyone draws fan art. Yes, everyone has seen Disney characters, but I introduced them with my individual taste. As a result, BuzzFeed and even PopSugar featured my artwork. My following grew from 30k to about 140,000. Since then, I have drawn about 50 Disney characters, and I have had the most fun doing it. I use this experiment to find my style. Everyone has a different taste, so use your individual taste to connect with others. Sometimes, the lessons from this podcast don't stick immediately, but they become embedded in your brain, and you can tap into them when you need it. Thank you, Andy. You're the man.
0: First off, Marco, you're awesome. We met Marco when we did a little creative pep talk get together randomly in LA. I think it was last year, but who knows? It could have been 18 years ago for all I know these days. And uh, Sophie and I were there and we got together with a bunch of listeners and one of them was Marco. And both Sophie and I were just like, man, that guy is awesome. And he was at the time kind of struggling and unsure about what he was doing. And I think he had come off this project that didn't end up how he thought it was going to, uh, go. And then, you know, I don't know, six months later or something in my Twitter feed from pop sugar was Marco's work and Marco's project. And I was so thrilled to see it because nobody deserves it more. This guy is, uh, just, uh, a great human with a great spirit. And, uh, it, it's amazing to see, his work get the uh, eyeballs that it deserves And, and to just watch his following explode. It was just amazing. I love to be able to watch that journey with listeners. It's very, very satisfying. But he brings up possibly my favorite concept from the podcast, writing on stage. If you have ever done a talk and uh, you got somewhat comfortable up there on stage, you're probably going to notice that you were able to find ideas and jokes and say things that you can't believe that you said, that you didn't know where they came from. You know, I don't know the exact science on this, but I've heard that when we're addressing a, a, our, our tribe, when we're addressing a big group of people, our brain actually goes into overdrive. It actually goes into top peak performance because back in the day, as our species was evolving, if you mess this up, you could be ostracized from the community. This is part of the reason we fear public speaking so much. But if you will get up in front of people, if you will give your ideas a shot even before you know that they're ready and actually get them out there and connect them to other people, you will unlock areas of your brain that you didn't know that you had. Now, this is the the problem is that if you just sit on your ideas until they're perfect, you're never going to unlock that best part of your brain. Now, Stand-up comics call this writing on stage. They take some loose ideas and they work them out up in front of a group of people. It's high stakes. It's intense. It risks something. And I encourage every listener of this show to find their stage. Part of that means, yeah, finding the comedy club where your material is going to be best suited. But the majority of listeners are not comedians. And you have to maybe Do a little extra effort because in the illustration world or the design world or the writing world or the filmmaking world doesn't necessarily have the same built-in structures to work out that material. So I do it on Instagram, and I actually do it through the episode art of this podcast. Every episode art we make, I got to tell you, I'm not always proud of it. Two months later, I'll look back and be like, oh, God, I hate what I made then. But at the end of every year, I can gather 12 pieces that I'm really, really proud of and make my comedy special, a.k.a. the Creative Pep Talk calendar. And I'm proud of the four calendars that we've made. Uh, and, And I wouldn't have been able to make that album without putting out 45 other pieces that year and, and actually seeing how they hit people. I'm a big believer that that the ego, that our separateness is kind of an illusion. If you want to get weird about it, I kind of feel like we're more like cells in a greater body and even the our species is like the organ of a greater system and that we're deeply connected. And so I'm really... Kind of discouraged by this idea that art is just for you, that the only pure art is the kind of art that you would do whether a million people were watching or whether you were stranded on a desert island. I actually believe that creativity, the creative process, isn't finished until it's connected with somebody else. Are you getting your stuff out there on a regular basis. I love this quote from Seth Godin. You can't have good ideas unless you're willing to generate a lot of bad ones. You know, listening back to the, I put a clip from the first ever episode at the beginning of this episode. And uh, listening back to that episode is so cringeworthy. In fact, I took the first 100 episodes offline because they were so cringy. but I never would have been able to make the kind of episodes that we're making now without publishing those episodes and getting real feedback. And I believe that Marco's huge explosive growth is a product of not being afraid to show up authentically and authentically take feedback from his audience and roll from there
2: my name is max wilkins and i want to share a story about how creative pep talk really took my career to the next level in 2017 i had quit my architecture job and i decided to set out and do this illustration thing i was working a lot doing private commissions for people, a lot of house portraits and uh, smaller jobs like that. And I knew that I would have to take it to the next level at some point. I wanted to work for bigger clients and do bigger illustration jobs, but I didn't know how, and I was very nervous (laughs) about jumping that gap and how I would go about doing that. At that same time, I was listening to a lot of creative pep talk, and I really liked this idea of creative content marketing that Andy would talk about. And the idea is pretty straightforward. It's, uh, you create a generous amount of work for a specific audience, and if that audience likes it, then they'll share it amongst themselves. And if they really like it, they'll pay you to do more of it. So I liked this idea a lot, and it made sense, but I didn't know how to apply it. I didn't have any projects that I thought would work with it. Also, at this time, I was listening to a lot of lo-fi hip-hop music, which is a genre that's quite popular but at the time I didn't really know much about it I just liked the music and uh, I followed a lot of the musicians on Instagram and I liked these videos they would do of them making beats in their bedroom or uh, in a nice greenhouse or something (laughs) and uh, I thought it'd be cool to do some portraits of them as a way to practice drawing people at some point I got the idea of creating a content marketing strategy using these lo-fi hip-hop portraits so i thought maybe i can do a series of 15 to 20 portraits and then post them on instagram and then tag the artist who i'm drawing so i did that i made 15 and i started posting them and right after the first post the musician reposted it and i started getting all these followers it was really exciting like i felt like i was onto something Uh, So I kept posting these one every day over the next few weeks, and about halfway through, I started getting contacted by other musicians to do portraits, and so now I was getting paid to do this. I didn't really expect that. I kind of just thought it would be a cool way to tap into this community that I was interested in. So I kept posting, and uh, by the end, I started getting contacted to do album covers and it was something i was already interested in and had some experience with and since then i've done over 40 album covers i grew my following to four thousand people during the lo-fi portrait series and it's grown quite a bit since then as well and uh just this summer i was contacted by a record label in stockholm sweden to do album art for this new youtube star who they had signed on to their record label named maro and they also wanted me to to do an animated lyric video for him and the first week this video got over a million views on youtube so i went from just doing house portraits for people that i knew to doing work for international record labels i really didn't expect that honestly it really just grew organically but i think that's kind of the power of the content marketing strategy so i just want to say thank you to andy i really would not be where i am today without this podcast so sincere thank you oh also my instagram handle is max wilkins illustration
0: max wilkins everybody max is awesome i met max he came from several states away to our creative pep rally last year in columbus ohio Max is a Ghost Scout from uh, Goshrimp's Ghost Scout Training Camp. If you don't know what that is, go check it out, especially if you're an illustrator. Uh, it's a, it's a whole other world. And um, friends of the podcast, but Max, makes incredible drawings. And he's a, he's a, got a sweet spirit. And, and I'm so lucky to have connected with him and have him as a listener. And I'm so pumped for you, buddy, for all these amazing breakthroughs. You super deserve it. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your story. What I love about this is he brings up this idea of content marketing. Now, content marketing... <sighs> It's not a term that I love talking about. It's just, it's like uh, two degrees away from funnels. Uh, But I had an encounter with content marketing early on in my creative career that really, really set the tone. It kind of saved my creative career. I was at a really low place. Uh, we'd hit the recession, I had, all of my client work had dried up, and I ended up having to take this freelance work for a content marketing firm, doing all this illustration for them, and it was one of the worst jobs that I ever had. They were not a good company, and uh, you know they were just totally sucking all of my creativity dry, and it, it was hard, a hard experience, but During that time, you know, we would make stuff. I would illustrate stuff for them. And the next day, it would be on BuzzFeed or it'd be all over these news outlets or whatever. And I was like, how are they doing what they're doing? It'd be this organic – reach that I and I couldn't understand it until I dove into they had a lot of material about how they do what they do and I dove into everything I could find about content marketing and you know some of it was bad and and some of it is helpful to creativity but the thing that really blew my mind and changed the way I made creative stuff was this idea of value you know what is the value of your offering Josh Kaufman, he wrote the book The Personal MBA, and he would argue if you are not delivering value, you can't be in business. Why would anybody give you money if you had nothing to return in value? If you had nothing to give back to them of any value. And I and yet I feel like so many creative people, we don't have a clear idea what the value of what we make is. Now, those who do and those who can deliver on those on the value consistently, they have a consistently strong business. Now, you know, you guys get sick of hearing it, but stand-up comics, in my point of view, are the masters of creativity and they deliver the value of laughs. If they don't, they're there's they don't succeed. But that's why you go see a stand-up comic is because they are going to make good on their promise to make you laugh and you will pay good money for someone who can make you feel something on command. That's the gift that they give. And so I dove deeper into this value thing because at some point in my career when things were really tough, I decided I wanted to commit To being good at illustration. But the problem was I couldn't find anywhere that told me what good illustration was. Now, I'd spent some time before that in the design world and designers never stopped talking about what is good design. You know, Dieter Ram's famous uh, product designer had 11 things like, these are the rules of design. And Paul Rand had a bunch of stuff to say on it. One of my all-time favorite designers, Frank Camaro, had a whole talk about what is good design? What is it about, right? But illustrators are a lot more introverted and they don't put a lot of uh, philosophy out there on what is good illustration. And so, as I said, I want to commit to being a good illustrator. I had to first define that target. What is the value that I'm trying to provide? And in Josh Kaufman's book, The Personal MBA, he defines five levels of value that a business can make good on and their feelings, making their customers feel something, uh, helping them learn, connect, collect, or protect – Feelings, obviously, a lot, of, a lot of creatives deal in feelings. Can, you sh- can they count on you for giving them a dose of a certain type of feeling? Your favorite band probably does that for you. Your favorite director or, or screenwriter probably does that for you. Are you teaching them something? We will buy learning. Do you teach people stuff with your creativity? Do you give away that kind of value on social platforms? Because if you give it away, people will tell other people it's there. When I left Home Depot one time, they were giving away free hot dogs. I called my brother. I was like, yo, there's free hot dogs down here. If you will help people feel something, learn something, connect with other people, collect stuff, we're collectors. That's just like a weird thing. You can, you know, and that's why we, some of these, Creatives out here, they just create tons and tons of little things, little pins, got to catch them all, you know, that kind of thing. Pokemon, (laughs) feel, learn, connect, collect, or protect. You know, think about protest art, you know, art that's for social justice, that's protecting people, values, things we care about, art that advocates, that protects what we already have. And if you do that, people will use it as a banner. They will share what you do. And it's a fundamental shift, I think, to kind of put you into the guide or the servant role and instead of the hero's role. And so if I asked you, if you're an illustrator and you want to make good illustration, you say yes. And if I say, what is good illustration? If you don't have an answer for that, you need to start thinking about value and making good on that on a regular basis. I suggest checking out... The personal mba dive into these five buckets we try to make good on these buckets on every front with the podcast uh almost every episode i try to hit each one of those but we in one way or another we try to hit all of those things for our audience uh if if you don't want to stop there you want to go to another level Go look up Bain & Companies, B-A-I-N, Bain & Companies, 32 Elements of Value. And they have a whole, they broke down these things into 32 different things and just start identifying. I'm telling you right now, no one buys art if it doesn't give them value. Maybe it makes them feel something or maybe it changes their social status there's a different everybody buys for different reasons every creator creates for different reasons but if you don't know how to make good on a value consistently you can't have a thriving creative practice in the long haul quick shout out to the sponsors you know I'm just going to take a second on this 300th episode. I hope you give me a little grace if this runs a little long, this, this whole episode. But uh, the sponsors have been amazing. And, and I, you know, anytime someone says, hey, you know, they'll, they'll, maybe a friend texts me, hey, do you really like Skillshare? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> do you know me? I have put. We have put Ryan and App, Ryan Appleton, my agent, and I have put so much effort into getting sponsors that we believe in on this show. And what I tell you, I mean, and I have seen the sponsors on the show deliver so much value to our listeners, and it, it's just been a great. Uh, it's just been a great thing because they 've made it so that we can make this free to our listeners and and, and it's just been fantastic and they'd helped, they've helped they 've helped us level up our equipment over the years um, they 've made it possible so we love you sponsors. we love patreon i've been using patreon uh, you know this has been a listener supported podcast um, partially since the early days, maybe the second year of the show. I really believe that that crowdfunding, one way or another, is the backbone, should be the foundation of every creator's work because there's so many things that get in the way. So many, uh, you know, there's so many systems, middlemen that that slice up that profit and make it nearly impossible for you to earn the living you deserve if you're delivering value for your for your fans patreon makes it possible to get supported directly from your fans i love patreon Get started now. Get started as soon as possible and just help it snowball over time, trial and error. You'll get there. You'll learn how to how to do it. Go study how people do it well from your field. Find some best practices and just, just get it moving. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. We love our patrons. Thank you for patronizing this podcast and making it possible. And uh, thanks to you, Patreon. Make sure you're supporting your favorite artists on Patreon too. Shout out to Skillshare. Man, we love Skillshare. Skillshare uh, we, has been one of my favorite collaborators of all time. We've been able to do so many things that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Uh, we've made two classes, one about kind of having a creative business breakthrough and one about finding your style. Both of those classes you can find by going to skillshare.com slash You get 14 free days of Skillshare. Um, and, and, and I'm so proud of these classes and the results, the things, the, the testimonials and the reviews, the things that have come from this have been, uh, just so encouraging and we're able to do things in that video format and in that class format that we're not able to do on the podcast. And so go check it out, skillshare.com slash creative pep for 14 days of Skillshare for free big shout out to Storyblocks. Storyblocks, you can get your stock video, high quality 4K video at Storyblocks. We don't do a ton of video stuff. I'm an illustrator, um, but we've been exploring ways to use some of this video in, in inventive and in kind of collage ways that I'm really excited about. But, you know, even though try as we might to work with people who we're crazy about. There have been a few sponsors over the year that it just didn't work out because just our styles of working just didn't work together. But Storyblocks has been absolutely fantastic to work with I think they're a great company and they have a great product and if you're in the video space go check it out there's a ton of gorgeous video on there that you're not going to be able to probably have access to if you're a solopreneur um, freelancing video person Uh, go check it out storyblocks.com creative pep talk to find out more storyblocks.com creative pep talk thanks storyblocks
3: Hello, hello, Creative Pepperoni, D. Silky here. I've been listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast for years now, and I remember one specific episode, I was painting my bathroom, and Andy was really talking about how to transform your art into a creative, thriving business. And he said that one of the most important things is that your art solves a problem, which I really had to percolate on for a long time because I'm a fashion designer, and I thought, Besides clothing people and keeping people from running around nude, what problem am I trying to solve? Canada is known for producing some amazing outerwear brands, but none of them really speak to me or my audience. So I decided to make functional, fashionable, totally disruptive winter coats. And I have this idea to make a coat that's stuffed with over $1,000 cash. Yes, real cash. And my thinking behind the coat was, as a fashion designer, it's so, so frustrating because we can often, you know, have enough skin in the game to pay our bills, hopefully, and then to produce a collection, but we don't have any capital left over to properly market and sell our products when we're competing with fast fashion brands. And so oftentimes what ends up happening is we have our money wrapped up in inventory, literally. So I wanted to create a piece that showed that problem that people in my industry were facing. Over the years, I've been able to cultivate an amazing, small, but loyal following on Instagram. I call these guys the Silkies, and they show up and deliver. In fact, during the pandemic, the same week that everybody was losing their jobs, we had no idea what the world was in for, the Silkies donated over $4,000 to The Money Coat, which was so much, it was was over double what I was hoping for. Um, Having said that, my following on Instagram just wasn't growing and I couldn't understand why here I was you know with this loyal audience that was donating money to a project and so I thought back to the creative pep talk podcast episode where Andy talks about basically product placement and making sure that your content and your advertising isn't in the right platform and how that's just as important as your product itself So during the pandemic, I dedicated 75 days to really try to get the hang of TikTok. I felt so in over my head at first, but quite quickly, I learned that these were my people. And in just a few short months, I was able to cultivate a following of over 85,000 followers, documented the creation of Making the Money Coat, which generated over 5.5 million views. And the world of TikTok has just opened up so many other opportunities for me if you're feeling discouraged and you're feeling like your work isn't getting the attention it deserves listen to that feeling I think that's a true gut feeling but maybe look at where you're putting it and try to cultivate an audience elsewhere to check out the money coat and see all of the new creations of outerwear that I'm making follow me on instagram and tiktok at dsilkie d-e-e-s-i-l-k-i-e
0: D man, you've been a super fan for so long, and it's amazing to see some of this explosive growth happen after you have tried so many different things and worked so hard, and and continued to show up and give your best effort and make great stuff. And uh, I, this was just so lovely to hear. And uh, you know, I wanted to include this story because I think it highlights one of the most important things to implement in your creative practice, and that is uh, the three rules of uh, putting your work online and the rules are location 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 am I right? Uh, you know this is an idea that I've thought a lot about and I don't see a lot of creative people implementing it on a regular basis. Now, if you think of online, just like any other place where people congregate, just like a city, you got to think about where you're setting up shop, okay? So if you were opening a coffee shop in a city, you're not going to go to the place that has been popping off for 15 years and is completely established and has seven different coffee shops already Uh, serving those people. No, you're going to try to get to know the place. You're going to connect with the people who know where stuff's happening, the early adopters. And you're going to find that up-and-coming area that doesn't have a great coffee shop yet. And you're going to invest time and resources. You're going to be a sort of uh, location scout looking for the ripe areas. Yeah, it's a little bit risky because it's not a sure thing. But if you will use your personal taste as a metal detector for those locations, you will find so much more results than you will in a place that's overcrowded. What does that look like online? It looks like finding the right platform for your creativity finding where people who have your talents who have your type of creative offering that serve the kind of value that you want to produce and connect with with your audience where are those audiences getting the type of value that you want to provide that's why getting really specific on Where is the value? Like Instagram is great for illustrators. It's actually turned illustrators into minor celebrities, right? They've made illustration mainstream. And, you know, I couldn't be more thrilled about that when I saw, I have a few friends that have just absolutely exploded into mainstream culture as illustrators. It's it's an essential place to be investing your time and energy. But Instagram is very established. It's like the nicest area in the town. And it can be hard for new up-and-comers to get started. You know, one of the things I hear sometimes is, you know, people disregarding someone's success because they're like, oh, they got into Instagram right as things were popping off and they just got lucky. Well, guess what? That was five years into their career. They've been doing this now for 15 years and they didn't get lucky. They were consistent. If you will consistently show up and explore the new up-and-coming locations as you go along, as you not just try to invest in the areas and get lucky and have a breakthrough lottery success, but just continue to show up, continue to look for opportunities in new locations where people's attention is cheap and people are paying Uh, more attention to those places than other places. If you will do that over time, you will start to compound with interest. And if you get, you know, 0.05% of a 100 person following today, uh, and you add that up for a year, you might get 150 followers. You do that for 15 years. You're going to start getting into some very interesting numbers. And so that combination of consistency and, Showing up in locations where there's an uh, an abnormal level of attention, and people are—you got to take take attention where people are taking risks on new content creators, and if you will do that, you're going to have that kind of breakthrough that D had with uh, showing up on TikTok. You know. TikTok and D Silky were a match made in heaven. I, we all should have seen that coming um, with the kind of content she wants to produce. Uh, so I'm so happy, but you've got to think about location. If you're not, and, and actually, one other part that I want to add to this is you've got to be unromantic about location. You've got to let go of the fact that, you know, they hit it big in Greenwich Village in the 70s. I don't know nothing about music history, but we get we want to be Bob Dylan. We want to be the Beatles. We want to relive their success in those locations. But... That was their time. This is our time. You've got to be willing. You know, when I started for the first couple years of the podcast, I was kind of not fully committed because at the time I felt like podcasts seemed cheap. You know what I mean? Like they just seemed like, oh, I just want to invest in other areas where there's people's affirmation and approval. But podcasts at that minute were a great underdeveloped location where people were spending New energy and new attention. And if you will show up to those places and deliver value, that's where things can really start popping off. And so, are you being mindful, not just about like always get really romantic about the kind of connection and value you want to have with your true fans and your audience? Get super philosophical, get super personal about the value. But that kind of value, you know, if you want to make people laugh, you can make people laugh on almost any platform. If you want to make people cry, if you want to make people remember what's important in life, you can tell those kind of stories on almost any platform. But being mindful and unromantic about finding where people are finding new things, that's where you find some breakthrough success like my friend, D Silky. Thanks, Dee, for sharing that story.
6: Hi, my name is Jenna Luki. I'm a designer and illustrator. And here's my creative pep talk success story. So, in 2017, I had really decided to start getting serious about pursuing my dream of becoming a full-time illustrator. I'd always wanted to be an illustrator, but I had a pretty good job as a graphic designer, I had a social life, and figuring out this whole freelance thing just wasn't a priority for a while. Until in 2016, when I went through a really big breakup. And now that my personal life was in shambles, it felt like a great time to start working on those professional goals. Um, plus what else was I going to do? I had a ton of time on my hands. So, so, uh, I started, uh, working on Skillshare tutorials. Uh, I listened to a lot of creative pep talk and I generally started working on developing my style. So in the summer of 2017, I had signed, had signed up for a one-on-one pep talk with Andy. I felt like I'd made a ton of progress on developing a unique style and I simply needed advice on how to get clients. Um, but the conversation didn't go quite as I expected. The discussion itself went really great. Andy had a bunch of wonderful things to say about my art at the time, and he had great ideas, but I couldn't stop thinking about how our talk had started. Andy had started by asking me, like, so tell me about yourself. What are you into besides art? And I had been so prepared to talk about my art and to talk about my career that when faced with this most basic question of just who I was as a person and what I liked, I had felt utterly stumped. So this question haunted me afterwards and I felt like it was relating back to a problem that I was seeing in my work. So upon further reflection, I had developed a style, yes, but it was purely decorative. It was void of any message or personality and it really got me thinking about you know, what am I even aiming for? What is my personal brand? What is my work about? Um, What am I trying to say with it and who am I anyway? (laughs) So I started putting some lessons I learned from Creative Pep Talk to work. First, I obviously needed to get more in touch with my own interests and my tastes. So I started listing out all my favorite things, favorite movies and books and colors and foods. Um, I thought about the subjects that I could just talk about for a really long time, things that I was passionate about. Um, I thought about the social media accounts I followed and what were the things that didn't relate to art at all. And I filled up pages of my sketchbook this way and um, then analyze it afterwards. Um, So I realized that I was most drawn to kind of empowering feminist sentiments. Uh, I was drawn to a visual aesthetic that was very brightly colored and neon and rich in detail. I loved 90s nostalgia and Lisa Frank. I loved fashion, um, especially when it came to bold makeup and tattoos and piercings and especially hair. Um, I was always known for changing my hair often and dyeing it weird colors and cutting it myself. Um, and I also love drawing hair whenever there was a character involved in a piece, um, you know, deciding what their hair was going to be was kind of my favorite part of that. So I was realizing from this whole process that hair was sort of my thing. So at some point in the podcast, Andy suggested designing a side project that is tailor-made to your individual interests, something that you have higher endurance for, doing than anyone else. So since I'd identified that I had this kind of preoccupation with hair, I decided this was the thing that I had the endurance to draw over and over again. So I created the Color Crush project. It was a daily drawing project where every day I would draw a new punk girl character and I would design her tattoos and outfit and jewelry. And of course, uh, always an awesome hairstyle. Um, I would draw this uh, black and white and ink drawing, except for I would digitally color the hair. So I'd pick out a color and I would name it, and the name of the color would kind of relate back to um, the theme of the character. So I still wasn't sure what my message was yet, but even in inventing these characters every day and their style and their facial expressions, I was discovering kind of my vibe in this process. And then, about a month into this project, uh, I just had this completely sudden, pure spark of inspiration Um, I don't think that was magic or anything. I fully believe that I only came to this idea because I had built all these intentional stepping stones towards inspiration. So I kind of prepared my brain to be subconsciously uh, churning on these questions of who I was as an artist and what I wanted to say until one day it just hit me all at once. So The Breakup Hair Handbook, a style guide for exploring different haircuts and colors mixed with humorous musings about processing the grief of heartbreak. Uh, So I scribbled all of this down on like a million post-it notes while I was at work. And then later I started working on a draft. So of course, the great irony of this is that I went from feeling like I had nothing to say at all, only wanting client work to abandoning that pursuit entirely and writing a whole damn book. And now that I think about it, uh, I'm just now realizing this, I wrote a pep talk. My pep talk is for women embracing their personal style and surviving a breakup but yeah my book reads as a pep talk (laughs) so i started writing this book in early 2018 i got a book deal in 2019 and it will be releasing on january 26 2021 uh, a few weeks before valentine's day and it's available for pre-order right now so if anyone wants to check out my book you can find it through my instagram my handle is at jenna lukey And that's at J-E-N-N-A-L-U-E-C-K-E, kind of weird name. Um, So yeah, I couldn't have done this without creative pep talk.
0: Jenna, man, I love this story, and I'm so happy for you and your new book. I, it was amazing to watch this journey unfold. Uh, I feel very privileged to be in the place to kind of watch these things happen. Uh, Jenna's fantastic. I love the things that she's implemented, but I'm so—the reason I wanted to share this story is because I think it really highlights— The idea of having something to say, you know, at the start of your creative practice, you know, let's just talk about you're learning an instrument. As you're learning an instrument, you're not thinking about what's my message you're thinking about should my finger go here to make the G chord sound normal. Like you're, it's just like a baby, right? When they're learning to speak, they're not worried about delivering a message, they're just learning how to talk. And that's a great place to be in at the start of developing your craft, just learning the mechanics, getting excited about developing your aesthetic and your style and your sensibility all. Really important. Nothing wrong with that. But at some point, after you've learned how to speak fluently, it's time to figure out what do I want to say? I love this idea from Tim Goodman. He talks about how everybody gets so worked up about style. How am I going to draw it? But instead, he says, worry about what? You're going to say. What you're going to say is going to inform how you draw it. You know, one of the things that I really didn't like growing up, I grew up in the, in the Midwest Bible Belt, and we would hear these bands that were, were tr- you know, trying to connect with the youth And they would be delivering the spiritual message through a style that was the opposite of spiritual. It was, you know, co-opted from the mainstream. And that disconnect from the how and the what, it's huge. You can't disconnect it. And in that way, form must follow function And if you will dig into what is the function? What am I trying to say? Everything will flow from that place. I've been listening to this podcast, You Are a Storyteller, with Brian McDonald, who's a story expert, and Jesse Bryan from the Belief Agency. And I just love it because I'm a story nerd, but one of the big themes of the podcast is theme. Uh, It's about what they call armature, the armature of a story, a.k.a. the theme of a story. And they talk about how a story, a movie... A book, it can only rise to the depths of the armature. I watched a, uh, I'm going to mix that thing with this other thing and then put them together. Okay. Uh, I also watched this little documentary on documentary. I don't know (laughs) if it's a documentary. Just like, I don't know. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it was a, an episode of the movies that – the holiday movies that made, made us, and it's all about Elf. I'm a huge fan of the movie Elf. I, I feel like some people don't love it, but it's a Christmas classic to most of us. And, uh, and, and I think that the reason it's so good is partially because it actually has a deep armature. It has a deep theme. The theme of that movie is the search for the father. And whether, you know, if you're just a regular, every person wants to connect with their dad, and everybody has obstacles about connecting with the father. But you can go from that all the way to the spiritual realm the search for the creator, the search of why, where did we come from. That's what, that's the underbelly of elf, okay? I really believe that's true. And that's about something to say and knowing that. That simple question of, you know, tell me who you are beyond how you say things, which is with your art. Who are you beyond that? Knowing that that created a domino effect that uh, caused Jenna to go from not even knowing what to say to that question to having a whole book to say to her true fans is just the most inspiring thing in the world.
5: So in 2018, after I graduated school, I was super excited to go out into the workforce and work for Cartoon Network or work for Nickelodeon and make the next best episode of Avatar or something like that. At first it was actually hard even getting an interview. um, Formatting my portfolio to the way that creative directors and art directors will want to see it was pretty foreign to me. Figuring out one specific role that I wanted to do was hard and also frustrating because I love to animate. I love to design, but I'm also into fashion. I'm also into music. So trying to narrow yourself down into one category so that you're able to fit this job is hard. I really leaned on the lessons from Creative Pep Talk, specifically mirroring the work that you want to do and marrying the work that you want to get hired for. And I use this technique for my coolest interview to date. I interviewed for Pandora in Oakland, California, and they flew me out and they got me a hotel and everything. And it was really like a movie. And I thought this didn't happen except for on sitcoms. So that was pretty cool. But to actually prep for that, I looked at their blogs, Um, I went through All of their social media, just trying to figure out where I will be able to add value, where I could fit in to what they do. And I found that they had a music blog where they would put out their top new albums. So um, I figured that I can make a animated cover for it and use like a pixelated style because that was what was in at that time. And I also realized that I wanted to do a lot more motion things and I was also in tune to the culture so that specifically fit what I like doing and that also fit what they needed. So once I was in the interview, I literally just pulled out my computer and showed them the animation and they loved it. I didn't end up getting that job, but that was a great experience. I used the same mirroring method to get my current job at NBC Sports Philadelphia. So pretty much, I looked up NBC Sports Philly, I looked up NBC Sports Cali, literally found everyone who's near the sports realm and figured out what I could apply from that. And I found that the NBC Sports Philly page didn't have many animations. So I created an animation about a current player missing a shot and it was pretty funny. And my whole interview was them showing my animation to the different people at the station. It felt so dope. I mean I had obviously talked to them before uh, through Skype and my Skype interview, but for them to be able to see my work and me to be able to explain it and for us to be on the same page was an amazing feeling. You can find me online at JasonTheRuler.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter at JasonTheRuler. And I'm also releasing a collection of clothes called Limits, which is about going Super Saiyan, Zero Dark Thirty LeBron, being in the playoffs, just going hard and reaching another level that you thought you couldn't reach and being amazed afterwards. And I'm releasing that in January and you can sign up for the updates at JasonTheRuler.com slash the workshop.
0: Jason, thanks for sharing your story. You're awesome. Jason also did this amazing animation to Thundercat, the musician. If you don't know Thundercat, you better get to know. He he did a song called Dragon Ball Rag, which is like one of the bangers of 2020. Uh, so funny and fantastic and Haim are in the video. It's super, super good. Um, But he did a little uh, music video for that, and Thundercat ended up sharing that, and it's super, super good. Um, Anyway, why I wanted to share this story with all of you is because I think it brings up something super, super important to your creative practice and to all of the different things that we talk about, especially when it comes to mirroring your Goals and mirroring the opportunities that you want in your personal projects, uh, you know, making content that mirrors the what you want to get hired for. Uh, but what he added in here is something I just want to highlight, which is it's not enough to mirror your opportunities, your dream opportunities, you've got to critique them. You've got to add a new flavor. You have to have something that they don't have yet. You have to show them that they need your insight. And what he did was he didn't just look at what they were doing. He He looked at what they needed. He saw that they didn't have enough animations on their platforms. And he provided that and it got him the job. I just love this moment of the person interviewing him just going around and showing everybody at the company this thing that he made. That's just like the purest, most uh, fantastic creative victory. Um, But here's what I want you to think about. I truly believe that creativity – it's primarily not about coming up with something that never existed, although I, I'm a big believer in those finding those personal ideas, having those breakthrough connections. Like that's a huge part of my practice. But I think the humble pursuit, the daily humble pursuit, is more about critiquing your heroes. You know, I've been trying to read, I've been working through this phenomenal book. It it's jazzed me out of my mind. Uh, it's called Real Presences by George Steiner. It's a philosophy book, and, and it has really uh, been influential on me. But one of the things they talk about is this idea that in a utopia, there wouldn't be any critics. Not that, not because critique isn't important, but because the, the purest form of critique isn't to say, hey, you did that wrong. It's to make something that in response that you think does it better. And he goes through all the great works of literature, the Iliad, you know Dante's Divine Comedy, just works through the back catalog and just shows how each one of these big breakthrough pieces of literature were just more or less a critique on the previous breakthrough. They were just saying, let me tell that story again, but here's what you got wrong. Here's what needs to be added. Here's my perspective. And I really believe that you can see your creative output not as, you know, you just being a giant, but you standing on the shoulders of the giants that came before you, but not just in worship of them, in critique of them and saying, look, I love what you did, but I need to add my spin. I need to add my personal taste. Here's how you didn't serve people in the best possible way from my point of view. And that disobeying of your hero, that critique of your hero, I think that's when you step into your own as an artist. James Murphy of LCD Sound System says it this way. He says the best way to complain is to make something. Michelangelo is even quoted to say, critique by creating I think at some point or another, we got lost in this idea of the lone genius. We got lost in the idea of like coming up with something from nothing. And it's put too much pressure on creatives. Instead, join in, participate in the genres, in the scenes that you love, but then critique them. Don't just be beholden to them. And I so I love that. I want you to start thinking about in what ways are my heroes not totally serving my experience and how can i add my spin on what they've done you know i really started thinking about this when i was talking on stage answering a q a about mirroring your dream opportunities you know creating a personal project that's more or less you fulfilling a brief of a dream client or dream opportunity you know make the movie that you want to star in and so on and so forth and i was telling the story about someone I worked with who wanted to work at Patagonia and wanted to design their catalog. And I said, so what I told him to do was design your own outdoor catalog that feels like Patagonia's thing, but is just a zine, and then send that to them. Uh, And someone was like, yeah, but they don't need you to do that because they already have someone to do that. And And I realized that I wasn't being clear in that I was saying, make it a critique. Don't make just what they already make what do you see in their catalog and think man there's no illustration there's no lettering there's no you know it's it's missing this side of the the outdoor experience it's it's it, it they've they've had a blind eye to this part of that experience and then show up and deliver them something that they didn't even know that they needed like my friend Jason did and so always be thinking of how do you show why they need you what is the missing piece what's missing from the conversation and then add in that point of view little summary of the episode we went over uh number one your creative practice has got to be using some strategic creativity. That means starting with an end in mind and working out creatively as a puzzle, starting with the end goal and then working backwards. What path do I need to take to get there? Number two, writing on stage, not just Getting, you know, putting yourself in a cabin and writing everything in isolation and, and then presenting it and hoping for the best, but actually bringing your audience into the writing process. You know, part of this was inspired by uh, writer Ryan Holiday, who, you know, how he writes his books is he publishes a blog regularly and he sees which blog posts take off and he puts those and turns them into ebooks and the best ebooks he turns into published books. And I think that symbiotic relationship is really important. We call it writing on stage. Number three, don't forget to be putting out value. Free value out there will be like hot free hot dogs at Home Depot. People will tell other people about it. If you really are consistently showing up and delivering people feels or learning or protection or collection or blah, 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 all those other ones, just rewind if you want to know the rest of them. But you got to be, what is the value? What's the target that you're trying to hit? Number four, location. You, location 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 don't set up your creative shop where it's already overrun and overpriced you got to find the up and coming platforms online where people are delivering the kind of value you want to deliver number five make sure you have something to say it's not all about how you do it it's not all about the aesthetics it's not all about the style it's what's underneath it's about what do you have to Add to the conversation, and then everything will flow from there. The armature, the theme of your creativity. Find that out, you know, generally for your creativity, but also for individual pieces. Uh, Number six, don't forget to disobey your heroes. Don't just mirror your heroes or mirror your dream opportunities. Make sure you critique them. Thank you so much. I hope this episode has been like a dictionary to creative pep talk and has helped you identify the areas in which you aren't practicing the best practices of creative pep talk so that you can have a breakthrough like the six pepperonis on this episode. All right. Very proud of this episode. Very, very excited to be at episode 300. Uh, You know, I got emotional listening to these and and listen to the intro of this episode. And, um, you know, I get emotional listening to that first episode of the podcast because I just had no idea. (laughs) You know, I was just I was recording that podcast, the first like six episodes are recorded as voice memos on my iPhone walking on the bike trail in my town. And uh, I had no idea that that little voice memo was going to create a domino effect that got me to LA face to face with people like Uh, interviewing people I don't live in LA by the way I live in Columbus but I've traveled to LA several times to do things like interviewing uh, to interview Joseph Gordon-Levitt and people like Abby Jacobson and we've I've connected with so many of my heroes and made new friends like Fran uh, aka Fran Erd and Lisa Congdon and uh, Morgan Harper Nichols and it has just been the most amazing journey but nothing has been more amazing then getting to know you all as listeners and watching your creative practice blossom. That is like the, the deepest privilege of my creative practice. And um, I'm, I literally am grateful in the morning. Uh, I do a gratitude exercise and a lot of that gratitude is just for you and just for this opportunity to speak into your guys' creative practice um so thanks thanks for giving me that place in in your work and uh and I and I you know I'm just I'm super grateful. Um I'm going to uh I'm going to wrap all this up with a, our normal outro uh in just a second but first I need to let you know we have a special treat to end this episode. It is a a song that we commissioned from somebody who I think really manifests and, and and embodies so many of the practices of this podcast, unknowingly. He's not a listener uh, to my knowledge, but his name is Matt Foley from Moturn Media. He's put like 21,000 songs out there. I think they're all on Spotify, uh, all different band names, just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We stumbled upon him on accident randomly. That's his practice though. He, it, You know, it's by his, his accident on our part. It was by design on his part. He's been on Jimmy Fallon where he sang his song about um, how, you know, when Pizza Hut's go out of business and some other... Th- Thing, moves into that pizza hut shaped building that it's still a pizza hut to him. Um, great great YouTube video. Go watch him sing that on Jimmy Fallon. So good. Love this guy. We commissioned him to do a special song about creative pep talk and about um, this community for the 300th episode. By the way, you can go to Moturn Media and get an affordable custom song created by Matt. You can also go find his songs about food on spotify the hungry food band highly suggest the pretzel song that was the first one we ever heard uh andrew nyer my buddy (laughs) found it and passed it to me uh and you can also go find the guy who sings your name over and over that's another one of his bands almost every name covered there he also does a bunch of songs about individual towns and cities all kinds of crazy stuff go check it out moturnmedia.com thanks matt that song and play it out, play out this episode in just a second, but huge freaking thanks to Yoni Wolf of the band Y, one of my all-time favorite bands for letting us use their song January 20-something as our intro to every episode. I love that song, and uh, I'm so grateful to have one of my favorite bands of all time provide us with theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg and the music that he created for Volume 1 of the soundtrack. Man, that we used my favorite song of that at the start of this and it never ceases to get me in the feels and it captures the, the epic creative journey that we try to talk about on this show so well. Thank you so much, Alex, for doing that. You're fantastic. Thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing the show beautifully. I love, I love working with you. Uh, you've made making this podcast so easy. Thanks to Ryan Appleton for supporting my crazy chaos of a ADHD creative practice. Um, Thanks for helping me edit uh, the show's content and produce it. So grateful for you. Huge, huge, huge thanks to Sophie Miller, Sophie Pizza, my wife, for man, just... Dealing with the ups and downs of making a show for 300 episodes and uh, the emotional side of how it is trying to produce this stuff on a regular basis and um, for keeping me afloat and keeping me stable Um, and also adding so much creative input and and lessons uh, as well. So, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up. What I am going to tell you to do is, and I'm going to Demand it. Stay pupped up. Anyway, stay pupped up, friends.
7: So how fast it went! I'm feeling jazz 100%. Creative pep talk, oh what a show! It started off as just some boys' memos by Andy Pizza in 2014, encouraging us to live our creative dreams and to embrace the mess and to go on plenty of side quests and to be true to ourselves. Congratulations, Andy, from all of your creative pepperoni. look far we can just look right here to crack the code to unconventional creative careers from his studio in ohio and is telling us to go 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 and quit waiting for the moment when we are discovered by some gatekeeper or fairy godmother we don't worry about any of that we just forge ahead on our creative paths and he gives us the pep talks That's earned himself some praise from Vanity Fair and BuzzFeed, he's helped to fulfill many a wish, and he's carved himself a nice little niche, and we want 300 more, Andy, please don't ever stop, giving us our creative pep talk.